0: Eastern philosophy clashes with Western culture in Marvel's Shang-Chi, a movie that pits good against evil in a classic Asian hero story. Are you just watching? Episode 120, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian.
1: I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin.
0: And we decided, actually, believe it or not, we had a couple of our listeners suggest this movie. It wasn't just you. (laughs) (laughs) I got on our Facebook page and asked if anybody had any recommendations. And Andrew Rappaport suggested Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I Mm -hmm. don't believe I've actually ever seen that movie all the way through. I may have back when I was a little kid. But I'd have to watch
1: it again before I did it. A- <laughs> now I've got that song stuck in my head. <laughs> well, you
0: could blame Andrew for that. But we did have a couple people suggest Shang-Chi. And at about the same time, I heard from you in Discord that you had gone to see it. And so I guess that's what we're watching. And since I just mentioned it. Mm-hmm. As many of you have known, we've been pushing our Facebook group for a very long time, that you can get to by going to watching dot com slash community. But Tim isn't on Facebook these days, <laughs> so if you
1: nope. so if you want to
0: interact with Tim, you have to join us in our new community, which is watching dot com slash discord. That is an invitation that will join you to our new Discord server. And this is going to be something where you can actually participate. And we're real excited to introduce it. We hope that a lot of our listeners will join us there. We can have voice chat rooms where people can get in and just talk together about movies or theology or any of the other things they want to talk about. And it has a regular text chat where you can chat back and forth as you have time. But you can also come and join us as we're recording live and listen in as we record and communicate with us in a text channel. While we're recording, give us feedback, maybe even answer questions or join in on the discussion and influence what we're talking about as we record our episode. We're looking forward to having lots of people join us. So if you Are interested in doing so, we do ask that you go to areyoujustwatching.com slash discord. There is an app that you can install, but you can also do it through a browser. You don't have to install the app. And it's just a, a neat place where you can meet up with the both of us and interact with us. And I intend to be leaving the app open more frequently than I used to. (laughs) But we have been using Discord for many years now to record our podcast. So this is not a change for us. It's just opening it up to our broader audience to come and join us.
1: I'm really liking the level of interaction that Discord is allowing us Mm -hmm. to have. When we first started using Discord For recording, it never occurred to me that that we could use it as community and I'm I'm very pleased with how it's turning out.
0: And I think they've been adding a lot of new tools to make it more useful as a community. This'll be something that we're learning as we go. So if we ends up to be a very popular platform that people are in a lot and using a lot, we may have to set up some moderation. But you know, right now I think that we have a fairly civil group, so if they would just show up, we'd love to have them.
1: Yep, absolutely. This is like a field of dreams thing, right? We built it, so now yes, they have now to come. Now they
0: have to come, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> they'll be they'll come walking out of the cornfield any, any minute. Any minute.
0: We're waiting. We're watching. Uh,
1: uh nope. Yeah, nobody here. Well. Oh well.
0: So we're actually here to talk about Shang-Chi. I'm just gonna call it Shang-Chi. I know it's got a longer title, but Everybody's going to know it as Shang-Chi, so we'll just call it that. I thought it was a pretty good movie. I hadn't – obviously, several people had seen it before me. It took me a while to get to the theater. And I uh, I had Tim kind of in my ear, you know, niggling, saying, it's just typical Marvel fare, <laughs> you know.
1: Uh, <laughs> I poisoned it. Yeah, but it. then
0: I had some friends at work that, you know, that like the – Monday after it opened, I walked in and they were like, Have you seen Chung yet? I'm like, Uh, no. And they were like, Oh, it was just so good. So it was like the devil and the angel sitting on my shoulders as I went to see it.
1: So, mm-hmm. hey, wait, wait a minute. That, I, I'm the devil in that scenario. Oh, you know what? I'm okay with that.
0: Of course, you know, talking about this movie, one of the first things we do have to talk about, you know, in dealing with the whole Asian topic of Shang-Chi is the music. Don't believe I've heard a score by Joel P. West before. There's probably a reason for that, but the music has a very Asian influence, so I think it fit the overall feel, but it did have Mm. good heroic swells in the music, so it really fit... You you know the the Marvel feel of the movie as well, so there it it wasn't your typical Marvel score, which I think is good because this isn't your typical Marvel movie. So let's just listen a little bit to the score.
1: It fit. Yeah. It fit well. And I look
0: forward to hearing more from Joel P. West. When a new composer comes up, I'm always intrigued to hear them in another movie to see whether they kind of get stuck in a rut with the same kinds of melodies Mm. or whether they can create music that is very distinct to the movies that they're composing for. So I I look forward to hearing more from Mr. West.
1: Yeah. In IMDb, he's got 32 credits, but it looks like about half of them are film Mm. shorts. Which is interesting. So it's almost like he was picked up as an indie composer for this, which is great for him. I mean, to be picked up for a, a major release like yeah, this. It'll make his name. Has gotta be a, a coup.
0: So I actually enjoyed the movie. I like Asian hero movies, so you know, it kind of fit into that. Mm. I've I've always been a big Jackie Chan fan, so I love martial arts movies and this Probably part of the reason why I like Daredevil so much, so uh, that level of fighting and you know violent intensity that is bloodless for the most part, I appreciate a lot more than I would, you know, like guns and other kind of violence. So yeah,
1: it was nice to see Marvel get into this
0: genre, you know, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it did remind me a little bit in its philosophy of the. Review we did of the movie Kubo and the Two Strings, which was a few years ago. Mm. It's a very similar style of movie, though Kubo was obviously animated, but it had a lot of similar themes, I think. And uh, typical of, you know, this type of Asian movie. So, uh, you know, when you deal with an Asian culture movie, there are Asian culture themes that are predominant in those. And so that is what we see, you know, kind of tie those all together and i would say even stronger than uh, dr strange had because dr strange was like the western meeting eastern and this is more the eastern with western clashes kind of more of so
1: yeah yeah this did feel a little bit more americanized than than even like kubo yeah. or even raya and it, it was okay for me but i could see that it might alienate Folks who, who are more entrenched in the Asian culture than we are. I don't
0: know that it would because interestingly enough, it appears that they did like they have done some of these other high end Asian hero movies. They did film it in Chinese as well as English. And I think that they were trying to keep that Asian influence without like westernizing it too much. In fact, I was reading an article. Mm where they said that the English translations, the subtitles for when they're speaking in Chinese are not exact, that it's a lot more poetic. What what they're saying in Chinese is a lot more poetic and they let the language speak to the dialogue and to the characters. And so if you actually know Chinese, you're getting more from the movie than reading the English subtitles. And that's why You know, where they switch to English is always important. It isn't just, oh, we've done Chinese long enough, let's switch to English.
1: Yeah, it's actually, you don't even hear English in Shang-Chi until like 10 minutes into the movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I don't think they speak any English until after they leave the house or the apartment. Yeah,
0: I don't remember. I honestly don't remember where the English came in. But yeah, it it is heavily steeped in... The Chinese culture. And I think that they tried to keep that. They didn't try to westernize it too much, which when you consider that it's a Marvel movie, that's kind of difficult. And the most westernized character in the movie is the character that I can't stand. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: I have to say that probably when I talk about an irritating character, the first character that comes to mind is Jar Jar Banks in Phantom Menace. That is like the epitome mm, yep. of the annoying character scale. So like if, if it was a, like a, a scale of one to 10, Jar Jar Banks would be like an 11. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The spinal tap of annoying. Yeah,
0: so I think the Katie character, who is played by Aquafina in this movie, probably comes in at a, maybe an eight and a half, close to a nine. She's mm. like super annoying, but she actually has a position in the movie. So she, while she's annoying, she actually plays a useful role. Which, if you took Jar Jar Binks out yeah. of Phantom Menace, the movie would be better.
1: <laughs> That's no argument. She was at least that annoying for me but i think if the character were played by somebody else i don't think she would have been that annoying to me cuz i am not a fan of aquafina
0: well, i have not really paid much attention to her i did see raya and the last dragon this summer and you know i didn't really like notice that it was aquafina playing the dragon in that but The voice Mm -hmm. was very distinctive. Let's put it that way. So when I went to see Shang-Chi, her voice was nagging at me through like – when she first appeared, I was like, why is her voice nagging at me so much? And it wasn't until like maybe halfway through the movie that I made the connection that she was the dragon in in Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm -hmm. And the characterization is very similar. It's like she plays the irresponsible airhead kind of thing, though – technically Katie's supposed to be highly intelligent, but she acts like an airhead. So I don't know. I I think maybe it was just too soon after watching that other movie that, you know, that the voice just was wrong. Like it it was too soon or something.
1: Her voice does sort of have that nails on the chalkboard quality. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I am not fond of her humor.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And her comic timing just doesn't, you know, doesn't fit for me. You know, it's not malicious. She's just not my cup of tea, so to speak.
0: And the character is, to me, I felt like they, like Jar Jar Binks was thrown into Phantom Menace to be like the comic relief. And what made it so bad was that it was a stereotypical comic relief that actually turned me off. And I feel like in a way... The what bothers me about Katie beyond Aquafina's voice is much the same. It's like it's almost like a stereotype that is uncomfortable, and so in addition to her voice, which I find abrasive, her character was represented something that I also found stereotypically wrong in some ways,
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: I, I think that that those combined just kind of make her. A negative for the movie. If, if yeah. you took her out yeah. of the movie, I would have been, or like you said, have someone else play her. And like I said, I don't know if it's the way Aquafina played Katie that made me dislike her or if it was the character herself. I honestly don't know. I didn't appreciate it. And I don't know going forward. It looks like she's going to be a, you know, always there with Shang-Chi. So I don't know how that's going to influence future Marvel movies. When, which contain them both. I don't know. I, I honestly yeah, don't know. Yeah. I really liked the Shang-Chi character, so it's kind of, it's difficult for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm a fan of uh mm-hmm. I did our version of binge watching, which is watching it on my lunch break <laughs> every day for like three months or something like that of Kim's Convenience on Netflix, and Simu Liu is uh, one of the main characters on there. Mm. Which is sort of funny, because he plays Korean on there, and there's a line in Shang-Chi where somebody mistakes him for Korean, and, and he you know, gets irritated with it. <laughs> but the role of Katie felt very formulated to mm-hmm. me, as sort of a comic foil it didn't have any real originality all the way up until, you know, the end where she was becoming more serious as the events warranted it. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's why I said that she's at least a, a few points down from Jar Binks because she does become yeah. a useful character in the plot.
1: And, <laughs> Unlike you know, Tar never
0: a useful character. So it's like throw him out and the movie would be better. She actually plays a role in the end of the movie. So she is a useful character. It's just,
1: mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: She just grated on my nerves through the whole thing. So it, I mean, it, yeah. it, it was like, there were parts of the movie where I was like, why is she even there? You know, couldn't she, couldn't she have just stayed home? <laughs> you know, did she really have to follow yeah. <laughs> Shan chi all the way to
1: China? Why'd she go to China? Yeah. <laughs> So I I know I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Marvel has a higher bar. They've established this higher bar. Now they have to clear it with the quality of their movies. Shang-Chi is a standard Marvel fare in my mind.
0: Which is still a higher bar than most
1: movies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I still wanted to see it a second time. (laughs) Unfortunately, thanks to About With The Flu and now, whenever you get the flu and you see a doctor, they also do a COVID test, which automatically puts you into quarantine. <laughs> <sighs> so I couldn't go back and see the movie before we did our recording, which was a little irritating.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't live streaming anywhere this time, which is annoying, too.
1: Well, you know, it's yay for Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Well,
0: I saw an article that they that said that they were, they were concerned that that might actually hurt Marvel a little bit, that they didn't simultaneously
1: stream. The first thought that comes to mind for that is, oh, boo-hoo. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But they had to bring it out now because of the release schedule on Disney+. Plus.
1: Right. They've already pushed the Marvel Phase 4 release schedule all over the calendar. Yeah,
0: and they just couldn't put things off anymore. So they said that Shang-Chi of all of their 2021 releases might have the lowest viewership because it's only Mm. in theaters.
1: It broke records. I want to say it had the the highest pre-pandemic opening weekend or something like that.
0: That's good. Yeah. Can't complain with that.
1: Oh, Labor Day box office records. Hmm. Made 71.4 million. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Especially with, a, considering a lot of theaters are still probably limiting their crowds. That's actually quite good. When I went to see it, it was a weekday night. So it, there were uh, the theaters were pretty empty when I was there.
1: Yeah. I think we saw it on a Thursday night and there were 10 people in the theater. Yeah. Mostly we saw it because Kayla had had a really tough day at work and we decided that we needed to get out
0: of the house. <laughs> Do something else. Yeah.
1: Uh, oh yeah, that's right. We saw it on the opening Thursday because it wasn't supposed to open till Friday, but the local... Regal Theater was showing it on Thursday. So we said, ah, let's go see it. Anyway. So yeah, Marvel's bar is very high. The action in it, particularly the fight scenes, are really, really good.
0: Reminiscent, like you said, of Hero and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which are yeah, some of my exactly. favorite movies. Yeah.
1: It's a different style of fighting than we saw in Black Widow. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that it was so easy to discern you know Shang Chi's fighting styles from Black Widow's fighting styles and I I actually looked and they they had different fight teams different fight coordinators and everything. Well, I would
0: hope so cuz they're completely different styles of fighting.
1: <laughs> exactly. The acting was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said Simu Lee Lu is a, a favorite of mine. Michelle Yeoh, I'll see her in a motor oil commercial. <laughs> mm-hmm one of my all-time favorite actresses. And uh, my wife and I have a running joke that uh, she might have made a Faustian bargain mm. because she does not seem to be aging. Well, that's
0: an a- that's an Asian characteristic. They, they typically yeah. never look their age until they're really old. And then suddenly it's just like somebody turns off a switch somewhere and they suddenly look their age.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: They have good genes.
1: <laughs> yeah. The story, though... I felt like it was lacking in originality. Again, we're still looking at the higher Marvel bar, mm-hmm. not the the normal bar. I felt like they used a lot of formula for the story overall, like the character of Katie. You know, the the plucky sidekick who is literally along for the ride.
0: Now, I'm curious, have you ever read any of the Shang-Chi comics?
1: I have not.
0: I haven't either, and I just wonder how much of that formula is because of the comics.
1: I did go back and I watched some of the YouTube videos on the history of the Ten Rings Mm -hmm. and and Shang-Chi and all that. And, you know, in comic book history, it goes way back to Fu Manchu, which is a huge no-no in today's uh, politically correct society, as it probably should be, because Fu Manchu was a very (laughs) offensive stereotype. For its time, so, hmm. but the Shang Chi character—they changed it a lot for the movie, but it it did have a lot of stuff that it carried over. I don't believe the character of Katie was what? was from the comic okay. books.
0: Well, since we're going to start talking about the actual themes, I do want to warn everybody: if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want it spoiled, this would probably be a good time to stop listening we do want you to come back, obviously, after you've seen the movie. And I know we have a lot of listeners who listen to our entire episode, whether or not they've seen the movie. So you're welcome to stay. But we just want to give a warning that from here on, there will be spoilers. And just give you a heads up about that. So the first thing that I really wanted to talk about In this movie, the first thing that I kind of thought about as I was leaving the movie was the whole Asian philosophy of yin Yang. And I'm not even entirely sure whether I'm saying that right. So I'm going to make this disclaimer right up front. I am (laughs) lousy with Asian pronunciations. So I am going to slaughter every name and every Asian word as we talk about this. So I'm sorry. (laughs) Mia culpa. Please forgive me. And we're going to move on. (laughs)
1: That's okay. Katie said her Chinese is terrible yeah. too. So. <laughs>
0: okay. So Yin Yang is kind of a classic Chinese philosophy. It it goes way back. It's like so much a part of ancient Chinese culture that it's like built into everything they do. It's like built into their stories. It's built into their language. And it is uh basically a dualism idea where there it's a opposite and contrary forces that are also complementary and interconnected. So you usually see it as that round symbol that's almost equally divided in half, but they each have a dot. So it's like a black and white swirl, swirl together, Mm -hmm. but they have a dot of each color in them. So there's, it's like you can't be all good. You have a little bit of bad in you and you can't be all bad. There's a little bit of good in you. So there's just this interconnectedness of, the the good and the bad. So they have it in their philosophy it's kind of like you can't have wet without dry, you can't have light without dark. And it kind of governs their culture, everything's in in these equally and opposing dual dual nature kind of things. And that is explicit in this movie because we have a Shang-Chi's parents who you have the warlord who is a thousand years old, who has conquered everything on earth, basically. And then you have this protector, this woman who is her entire uh, nature is, is to nurture and protect. And they change each other and they influence each other. And during her lifetime, she's able to turn this a very bad man into a loving father, but then her death, you know, sends him plummeting back into his, his stronger yeah. influence. And so that is this, this nature, this legacy that Shang-Chi has. He has a very n- nurturing, protective mother and a very domineering father. And those two legacies are met in him and his sister. And they're both influenced by their upbringing, though. I I think, Probably Shang-Chi got a little bit more of his mother than his sister did because she was so young when she died. Yeah. So there is just this very strong – in fact, there's a line in the movie where Shang-Chi is told that he is the legacy of his father and mother, both the good and the bad. And at the end of the movie, you see him – not only master the philosophy or the fighting style of his mother, but he also masters and takes away from his father, the 10 rings. So showing that he is the legacy of both, that he brings them both together in this, this perfect dual nature. And so it's a very strong uh, legacy of the movie that this whole yin yang feel. The problem with that is that, I mean, technically, Christianity is a Eastern religion. It dates back to the Middle East, and but we've Westernized it through the years. But this yin-yang, this dualism does not fit with Christianity. I know a lot of people will try to to kind of, especially like in the Star Wars movies, they they had kind of the same influence, the the same Asian yin-yang dualism influence. And they were not, a lot of people try to force Christianity into that and it just doesn't fit because God is ultimate good. There is no evil in him. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the world, the dual nature that, that yin yang is based on is, is not really true because light and darkness don't live together. Darkness is the absence of light. Wet and dry don't right. live together. Dry is the absence of wet. And so you, you go through all of these, you know, heat, cold is the absence of heat. It's not that they live in balance with each other. It's that one is the total absence of the other. And that yeah. to me describes the true nature of God because God is good and where God is absent is evil. And that explains mm-hmm. so much more in our culture and in our world and, and then what yin yang was created to describe because we have to deal with the absence of God. And when when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were sent away from ultimate good. And ever since then, we have been suffering the curse of the absence of God. And thankfully, he hasn't let go entirely because if he let go of his power that you know upholds the universe and and keeps time flowing then it would be the end of everything but we suffer from the lack of god the separation from god and that basically s- describes our existence
1: yeah if he withdrew everything i mean even common grace would be gone and talk about <laughs> entropy
0: <laughs> instant entropy
1: <laughs> yeah poof Yeah, we see in so many stories and you know, movies and everything, we always see them present God and Satan as two equal opposing Mm -hmm. forces and that's how they really
0: present it in this movie.
1: That's just not (laughs) accurate. Satan may be more powerful than us people, but there's just no comparison. I mean he's he's an eye drop of a drop into you know, the the oceans of the world compared to the power that God has. And, and he's a created some. being
0: who has rejected what God gave him. And I mean, he was created to be the most beautiful angel and he rejected that. He rejected presence with God and he fell from heaven because of he, he uh, went after the authority of God, but in the end, he's, he's really a nothing compared to God in, and people think, yeah. you know, that he rules in hell. He doesn't. He's a prisoner in hell. Hell was created as a prison for him. And it's not his domain.
1: He exists solely at God's, to serve God's will. Yeah. And that's it.
0: So yeah, it's, it's an interesting way that people have kind of twisted Christian thought to try and fit it into the stool nature, but it doesn't fit. It really doesn't because God is the ultimate good, the ultimate power. And there's nothing that contests him. And in the end, when he returns yeah. and establishes the new kingdom, all of that dualism that we think we see in the world will go away. So, cause it, there will be never ending light because God is light and God is good and not, not even, even shadow. shadow. So, and you know, it's interesting because in this movie, they've, they've created a place for the dweller in darkness to live, you know, this eater of souls and they they mm-hmm. protect the gate they try to keep people from letting him out and he seems to be a really useful you know portrayal of satan in a way but in another way it it just doesn't work it's like the, he's an asian bogeyman but he doesn't really have the same uh influence but i will get into that later yeah. cuz there's there's some interesting parallel in this movie
1: Yeah, I did like how they wove the idea of yin and yang into so many different levels, including the struggle of the Shang-Chi character Mm -hmm. himself. How he was struggling with his darker side of, of his father's influence versus the lighter side of his mother's influence. And how they presented that as his character growth through the second half of the movie. I thought that was Pretty well told as far as stories go.
0: And I think that you saw a little bit of how that's going to influence his sister moving forward because at the very end of the movie, there was a scene where Shan chi was telling, I think it was Katie that what was her, Xilin or whatever, how do you say her name was shutting down her father's operation. And, and then you blip over to see her, in China, supposedly hmm. shutting down her father's operation and she hasn't shut it down. In fact, she's broadened it and included women in it. And she's building a new empire on the ashes of her father's empire. And so I, I think that yeah. we're, we're going to see her as a not so good person in future Marvel, uh, things. <laughs> so,
1: hey, look, uh, brother versus sister yeah. conflict. Never yeah. seen that before. Yeah.
0: Well, she's, she was probably influenced more by her father than her mother. And there was that yeah. that phrase she said somewhere in the movie about, you know, he wouldn't let me into his empire, so I'm going to build my own kind of idea. So she definitely has been influenced by her father's empire building more than her mother's peace and forgiveness and protection and nurturing.
1: Yeah, it's. I think she was actually influenced most by the fact, uh, like you said, that He kept her out of the training Mm -hmm. that created a a negative feedback loop for her development, and she started to get a taste of it when they were defending. Um, I can't remember the name of the the secret village Mm -hmm. that they went to. You know, she got the taste and of the power there, and then when she went to shut down. She realized what she could do with it. And, you know, I'm not sure it's going to turn out to be – that she's going to turn out to be evil the same way I'm not sure that Sharon Carter, the new one, the younger one, is going to turn out to be an evil power broker either.
0: Hmm. You know, and Marvel has been playing a little bit more with the whole Shades of Grey thing where you're not necessarily good and you're not necessarily bad. Yeah.
1: Which is – realistic right but i don't know that i like the idea because it starts to get into utilitarianism and you know the ends justifying the means and, and stuff like that and
0: that everybody's a hero of their own story kind of idea exactly instead of they're actually yeah. being real villains and there really are real villains i mean we live in a world where there are yeah. all real villains so it's like let's let you know, villains be villains. So, I mean, even the villain in this movie had some redemption. I mean, you, technically, the fa- Shang-Chi's father was the villain, but he was redeemed in the end. So, yeah. the really only serious evil in this movie was the Dweller in Darkness.
1: You know, I read an article just the other day that the actor who plays uh, Zhu Wen-Wu, Tony Leung, he specifically did no research on the mandarin and was told to create the character from scratch by the director. Hmm. And he went out of his way to to make the to give the character depth mm-hmm. and to give him a redemptive arc which which I, I you know I I'm always a sucker for redemption so <laughs> I appreciated seeing that in there and and I'm a fan of Tony Lung already so
0: so what's your take on bringing in the Mandarin from Iron Man 3 as a con-
1: – <laughs> Yes, Trevor. Uh, ben Kingsley is just such a class act. Yeah. I mean, he could play Oscar the Grouch, and <laughs> I would really appreciate it.
0: He's such but- a personal actor, too. And I think that this was a little bit of fan service to kind of tie the movies oh, yeah. together.
1: Yeah. You know, I expected it to be completely fan service, and I expected it to be one scene. Mm -hmm. You know, that scene where he shows up in the movie, I expected that to be the end of it. But he actually – he was a better comic relief than Katie. Yeah. And uh, at least part of that was the the fact that that man has the timing of, (laughs) you know – the oscar winner that he is yeah
0: i love the part where he's like you mean you see the, you see him i'm not going crazy
1: <laughs> <laughs> you probably didn't get a chance to see the marvel short all hail the king no so immediately after iron man 3 which had the the appearance of trevor slattery as the mandarin mm-hmm <laughs> or rather, had the appearance of Ben Kingsley as Trevor Slattery, as the Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> they did this this 15-minute short, which uh, showed Trevor Slattery in prison. And at the end, he's broken out by the Ten Rings organization.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: And they actually put this short up on Disney Plus about a week before the release of Shang-Chi.
0: Ah, because they knew there would be a tie-in there. That's pretty cool.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And at the end, he's he's kidnapped to be taken to the real Mandarin for execution.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of like, you find out in this movie that it's kind of like a-
1: Yeah, Arabian Nights. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. trying to think
0: of, where she has to tell a story every night to prevent her execution. So he's <laughs> he's doing on-demand performances of Shakespeare-
1: <laughs> I knew going into the movie that he was going to be in it. Right. Because, you know, it's sort of hard to keep that one a secret. Right. I thought he was going to be a much smaller part. I was actually very pleased with how he came out. Oh, yeah. And I enjoyed the movie, but he was actually a, a lighter part than I expected. <laughs> really enjoyed Ben Kingsley there. Of course, my first experience with Ben Kingsley was uh, Gandhi.
0: mm I haven't seen it.
1: You've never seen Gandhi? Nope. That's crazy, man. 82. <laughs> 1982. He won an Oscar for it. Yeah. But yeah, I really did like him. So I wanted to to tie on to the yin-yang theme. Uh, you mentioned how the husband-wife pair of Lee and Zhu, uh, or the Mandarin you know, personify the yin-yang as their marriage plays out. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking about the uh, prohibition in Second in Corinthians 6 about being unequally yoked. Mm. Yeah. And that says, Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? And – that combined with the discussion of yin and yang and the origin of it got me wondering. So I did some research on yin and yang and I actually went back to a, a paper written by a uh, Kyok Kung Yo from back in 1994 that appeared in a, a newsletter that talked about attempts to take yin and yang and fit the God of Christianity into that philosophy. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I found interesting about it was that the idea of yin and yang is that the elements are opposite, but not necessarily contradictory. So like you said earlier uh, darkness is just an absence of light so you can't actually have a yin and yang of dark and light because they're they are literally contradictory right light cancels out darkness darkness doesn't cancel out light it's not the other way around right and that really that did seem to apply to the mandarin and lee in this whereas they were opposites but they were not contradictory because during their marriage, he put up the rings, mm-hmm. which they implied in the movie that the rings, it, they might have said it outright, that the rings had a corrupting effect.
0: Well, they said that they could be used for good, but he chose to use them for evil. And, okay. but he did say there was a line in there that he had found something worth dying for. And mm-hmm. because the rings imparted basically eternal life on him. So as long as he wore them, he didn't age. And so by putting them up, he began to age. And that was, he said that with, with Lee, he had found something worth growing old for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so when they got married, he put aside his warlord way. But Lee also left her village where they had this you know this life mission of defending the gate to this other darkness. dimension where yeah. the soul eater, yeah, yeah, where the soul eater is trapped. So they came to this sort of balance of good and evil. They both gave up
0: something for their marriage. Yeah,
1: a very Asian version of good and evilish, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they did a really good job of that, but the fact of the matter is is that good and evil can't coexist they're not opposites they're contradictory like light and dark mhm it sort of feeds into that idea that always comes out of hollywood of love conquers all mhm and you know what love actually does conquer all in a divine sense mm-hmm. but not in a human sense yeah human love just doesn't cut it. There are women out there, actually, there are women and men who stay in abusive relationships because they're convinced that they can change their partner, their spouse, or their boyfriend or their girlfriend. And that's just, that's unhealthy. Yeah. And I think we're doing a disservice to our society when we keep pushing the whole love conquers all idea out to people, I've seen marriages just, you know, fall apart when the change that needed to happen didn't happen.
0: Right. Yeah, I think way too many women, and I think it is, it is probably more often women than men, go into a marriage thinking they're going to change the man to fit their ideal you know, like they have their ideal man, and they're they're going to marry this guy, mm-hmm. and he's going to be, they're going to turn him into their ideal,
1: mold him, and mold
0: him, <laughs> yeah, and th- it, that just yeah. doesn't work. And I think that it's very interesting, and in that you know, we always have this idea of the one, you know, like there's the that one perfect person that we're going to marry, and but we're all fallen individuals, and the only way. And I'm speaking as a non-married person here. The only way I think you can make a marriage really work is if there is a third person, a, a third neutral mm-hmm. person that you look to. In,
1: Amen. And
0: that is God because God is the, God is the head of the family. And if you don't have him there, then there's always going to be that strife that comes from the sin curse on relationship the The woman yeah. strives after the man's authority, and the man is emasculated by that and so it's it's part of the sin curse on a relationship and unless we put God in that relationship with us, we can't ever make it work,
1: yeah, and you know if you go into a marriage thinking that that uh you're gonna mold and change a member of that union, that member better be you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, change because starts that's with you. the only <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one that you can have any effect on. But we've talked in the past about unequal yoking in uh, in other movies, and I came across a note in the ESV Reformation Study Bible that reminded me of our previous discussions, and I wanted to mention it here just because I think it bears mentioning. They said the prohibition against being yoked together with unbelievers must be considered in situations where significant control over one's actions would be willingly yielded to an unbeliever through a voluntary partnership or association. Neither Paul nor the rest of the New Testament tells us to have no association with unbelievers, but we are told not to be yoked together with them in such a way that they significantly influence the direction and outcome of our moral decisions and spiritual activities." And I think that's important. Yeah,
0: that is important. I like the way that Ken Ham refers to this in a lot of his books and stuff, because he talks about the idea that there's no prohibition against interracial marriage Mm -hmm. in the Bible that a lot of people say that, you know, you can't. Mary is somebody of another race, but we're all one race because we're all humans. But there are two races in the Bible. There's ones that are racing to God and those who are racing away from God. (laughs) And so that is the only true interracial marriage is the unequal yoke between somebody who is part of the family of God.
1: The direction they're running. Yeah,
0: the direction they're running. And, And I think that, you know, that is tantamount to what you see happen here though to be honest lee doesn't seem to be horribly influenced by her husband but he definitely is influenced by her which is would be the good thing but her loss is what drives him even further into insanity really yeah and so it, you know it, it is an interesting discussion and and I'm glad you brought it up because that is something that it's it's good as christians to be reminded of that we can't Especially if we are currently unmarried, we cannot be courting somebody who is not saved because that is yeah. – we can't think, oh, well, I'll get him saved and then he'll be the perfect person for me. <laughs> it's like only <laughs> – I'll,
1: I'll save him while while we're married. While
0: we're married, yeah. that Yeah. Now, you know, there, there's scripture about staying in a marriage if you get saved – while you're married to an unsaved person, but God also gives you an out in that relationship as well. So I think that there is, you know, there are situations where it's unhealthy to even stay. Even if you married him before you were saved, it's unhealthy to stay in a relationship where, uh, with an unbeliever. But, you know, that is probably one of the biggest prohibitions, uh, through both the old Testament and the new Testament is to not, Yoke yourself to somebody who is going away from God when you are needing to go for, go to God. It needs to be a mutual yeah. thing for the sake of your relationship. The other thing that really stood out to me when I walked out of this movie was this whole idea of, well, there's this phrase actually in the movie, this quote where I think it's, um, Shang-Chi's aunt, Ali's sister, who comes out and says that this voice that is on the other side that Zhu Wenwu is responding to thinking that it's his wife is actually the dweller in darkness who becomes a voice that promises whoever hears him what he most desires. And when I heard that, it just like clicked because I've memorized a good portion Mm -hmm. of the book of James. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And so it just like called to mind the verse in James where it says no one undergoing a trial should say I am being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's James one thirteen through 17. It almost sounds like they are ex- basically describing... What's going on in this movie? Because this, this shadow, this, this dweller in darkness, this voice from the other side is, is like convincing this man that if he just opens this door, he will have the desire of his heart. And that is exactly what desire becomes to us yeah. when we chase desire and we chase things instead of God, that's what what happens is we are tempted and led astray by the world. And when we see this entire history of Zhu Wenwu, this was like the phrase is right there at the beginning of the movie. He chased money and power for a thousand years, but always wanted more. There was nothing left on earth left to conquer. And so mm. this was a man who chased what he wanted and it never filled the hole. For a thousand years, he chased money. He got money. He got power. He influenced governments through the, you know, an entire millennia. He got everything that he wanted and he still wanted more. It never filled that hole. And that's what, when we chase the worldly desires, that's what happens to us. We never reach the that satiation where we've had enough. And so that also then calls to mind the parable of the seeds, Mark four eighteen through 19, the seeds that fall mm-hmm. among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things either enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So when you cast seeds unto that ground, they can't take root because you're so distracted by the desires of the world. And then in Romans six eleven through 13, it says, So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons for righteousness. So, you know, it just was amazing to me how that entire theme of the movie of him chasing his desires and how unfruitful that was he destroyed his family he chased his son yeah. away he excluded his daughter and to the point where he had to literally chase them down and bring them home
1: and he, not only did he chase his son away he corrupted his son yeah taught him to be an assassin right and then turned him loose on the man who killed his mother
0: and that's why I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, what's going to end up with Shang-Chi's sister, you know, I think that all of that influence is, is terrible. You know, that yeah. this man, because he chased after things that fulfilled his desires instead of – and and even the way he brought his kids back was because he just – all he wanted was to get his wife back. And he was willing to do anything, even destroy her home to do it. So this was – I think in the movie, the closest thing that we could get to a Christian understanding of sin. And I like that tie in. It it was almost like James was speaking out of the movie in that point. (laughs) And then one of the last things, you know, we did mention earlier that Katie is an awkward character who doesn't seem to really fulfill Mm. much of a purpose, at least until the end. But there was a comment that was made to her by – I think he was kind of like the elder of the village that they ended up defending, which we
1: – Yeah, Master uh, Master Bow, was it? Yeah, Master Bow.
0: He made a comment to Katie that
1: – Oh, <laughs> I just got it. Master Bow, he was sea archery. Yeah. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. And they, they put a bow in her hands and – This is a young woman who is very shiftless. She's very apathetic. And they made a point of saying that at the beginning of the movie, they met with some friends from school and, you know, this friend was telling both Shang-Chi and Katie that, that they're both very smart people and she couldn't understand why they were being so immature and not, not growing up and getting a job and, and being mature. And, I think it was Katie that made some comment about, you know, when you live in a world where people disappear and then five years later come back.
1: Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. That
0: you just don't really have any foundation upon which to live your life or something like that. And so I felt like she was a representative of the culture of the young people in that it really... In our world today, I mean, obviously, she's supposed to represent the generation that saw the snap, lived through the snap, and saw the return, the unsnap. <laughs> but we have a culture today that is very similar. A lot of young people who have really been influenced by media to believe there really isn't a lot of hope and really don't have a direction. You know, they they go to school, but they don't really take a career. They end up traveling the world. Yeah. Or, I know a lot of young people that have done that. You know, they they went to school and they really didn't know what they wanted to do out of school. So they, you know, went globetrotting for a couple of years and kind of shiftless and don't know what they want to do. And I feel like she's representative of that. And we saw that a little bit in the Tomorrow War, too. So we talked about that some in the Tomorrow War.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, from a parent's perspective, it's easy to feel like your kids are doing that, too, mm-hmm. even though – my oldest turns 29 in two days. Mm-hmm. And I look at all my kids and and they're all doing great. Mm-hmm. Even our middle daughter who still lives with us, she's doing really well. And it's easy to look at all of their trajectories and saying, well, you know, I don't really see a path. But we don't want them to be Steve Jobs's <laughs> or, you know, Jeff Bezos's. We want them to be whole people. Mm-hmm. We want them to love and follow God and to not put a single-minded pursuit above everything else. Right. And
0: but you do want them to be responsible.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Katie and and Sean at the beginning of the of the movie they both have these Ivy League educations. Yeah, I think Sean did, too. Yeah. Sean said he he went to college. And here they are Parking working cars. as valets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's easy to, to stand on the outside looking in and say that they're shiftless. but But
0: the advice to her, I think, hit the mark. Because it was like, yeah. he wasn't just talking about archery. And, and I think that if you're looking at the shallow level of the movie, you know, you know, he just put a bow and arrows in her hand and he said, if mm-hmm. you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. It, it looks like he's just giving her advice on, on how to shoot a bow and arrow, but really he was giving her life advice. You know, it's like you have been standing still. You have no goals. You have no. Motivation, you have, you're just standing still and going nowhere and you're not going to get anywhere. You have no target. Yeah. You have to have a target. You have to have a goal if, or you're never going to get anywhere. And I think that was life advice that was useful and she needed it. And tying that into scripture, because it, it does seem like that is kind of a worldly thing, you know, to, to shoot after you know, a goal and to have a career, and I'm not saying that a woman should have a career or anything. I, there was a scene in there where I think it was her grandmother asked her when she, when she and Sean were going to get married, and. <laughs> And, you know, it's that kind of that class. Oh, they want you to get married because you're together all the time. And it's like, we're just friends.
1: Traditional Asian. Yeah. Traditional Asian type thing. But at the
0: same time, that was another thing where she was standing still in. She was not pursuing a relationship with a guy that she obviously cared enough to follow all the way to China in a very bad situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's a person who's literally going nowhere. She's standing still. She's using none of her skills, none of her gifts. And. Whether it was to get married and have children or was to have a career or whatever it meant, she was standing still. She wasn't going anywhere.
1: She wasn't just being inactive. She was actively being inactive. Right. She was yeah. intentionally yeah. being shiftless. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And so in First Thessalonians 4.13, it says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. And I brought that up. This is one we actually talked about in the Tomorrow War, that we have hope in Christ. And that is ultimately mm-hmm. the goal that we as Christians have in front of us is Christ. And so I think a lot of her standing still was because she had no hope. And I think hope drives us forward. It's not something that allows us to stand still. Because when we have a hope, we also have something to look forward to, something to look to and to work towards. And and that is... Hope gives us a target. It gives us a target. Exactly. And I think that that was what she lacked was hope. And that was why she had no target. And then when you talk about work, you always have to talk about pull from something from Proverbs. So. Yeah. Um, Proverbs 14, 23 says, there is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only, only to poverty. So that is a proverb, you know. <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> what more can you say?
1: Yeah. And Katie was the master of endless talk, <laughs> yeah, just she for the was, record.
0: Definitely. And with an irritating voice, too. <laughs> <laughs> So in Second Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13, it says, it is not that we don't have the right to support. And to just give this context, this is Paul talking to the Church of Thessalonica about whether or not they need to support him in his role as a missionary. So he says, it is not that we don't have the right to support, but... But we did it to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us. In fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. For we hear that there are some among you who are idle. They are not busy, but busy bodies. Now we command and exhort such people by the Lord Jesus Christ to work quietly and provide for themselves. But as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. So, I just think that's interesting that it was something Paul had to even talk to the churches about. It's like, because in context, the early church, they were supporting each other. So they kind of lived in common. They pooled a lot of their resources together. They lived in common. They supported each other. And it made sense for him to have to make this caution because I imagine when you have some people who work really hard and then you have some people who don't work at all. And the people who work really hard end up supporting the people who are idle. And that was what they were having problems with the, the churches, of the Thessalonica. And he was saying, if you don't work, you don't eat. So that is, you know, we all as have to support ourselves quietly and diligently. That is what Christ wants us to do. And I think that that, Paul was a good example of that. So I think that pretty much closes up our discussion on chang We There were some teaser scenes at the end.
1: Yep. The the traditional mid-credit and end-credit end scene. Yeah. I,
0: th- I thought it was very interesting that they pull in Wong and have him talking about, obviously, they're setting up the Eternals movie, which will be mm-hmm. in next month, I think. <laughs> they're rolling out like one right after the other.
1: Did you see that there were two Black Widows in this movie?
0: In which movie?
1: In Shang Chi, there were two. Two of the actresses from the Black Widow movie are in this movie. No, I didn't see that. When Shang Chi and and Katie are walking through Xiling's Fight Club, mm-hmm. there's a Black Widow fighting a uh, extremis enhanced fighter. Oh, cool! And in the the end credit scene where Zheng Li is uh, rebuilding the Ten Rings. One of her right-hand people is one of the Black Widows that was saved in the Black Widow movie. <laughs>
0: cool. I missed that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I did too. I only saw it in the YouTube video.
0: Ah, that's interesting. It ties everything together.
1: Yeah, it ties everything that, together. That, exactly. that's, that's
0: classic Marvel to tie everything together like mm-hmm. that. So the teasers did set up Eternals, which will be sometime soon. And then yeah. uh if nobody has yet seen it, you should go see the preview for the new Spider-Man movie. The amount of stuff that they give away in the preview makes me wonder what is actually in the movie because
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is mind-blowing. So they really seem to give away the majority of the plot, yeah, but- including dropping serious hints that Doctor Strange is not Doctor Strange.
0: Yeah, I mean, they gave so much away in the preview, it makes me wonder, you know, it's not like Marvel to give that much of a movie away. So I'm wondering yeah. if all of that's going to happen in like the first 15 minutes, and then the movie's going to do something we're not. Like communism,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a red herring. Yeah.
0: yeah, we're. I think they may end up having given us a little bit of misdirection there. uh, That's just knowing Marvel. Mm. There's got to be something else going on there. So we have more to look forward to. So I think looking forward that we may end up doing the next James Bond movie for October. So if anybody is wanting to stay on with us and possibly even show up for our next recording session, then it, you, you know might want to get in theaters and see that movie, because I believe that's probably what we will do for October.
1: It's your chance to look behind the curtain. <laughs>
0: yes. See how this all goes <laughs> together.
1: Watch the sausage get made.
0: <laughs> so just a reminder to join us in Discord. That's at areyoujustwatching.com slash Discord. You can also join our Facebook group, though I'm the only one there now, since Tim has kind of sworn off Facebook.
1: Sorry, guys. I I love you all, but I, I can't take the I can't take the toxic environment anymore.
0: Not our group. Our group is not a toxic environment.
1: Uh, no, no. Yeah. not to imply that. Yeah, <laughs> it's everywhere else. Yeah.
0: So our Facebook group is at areyoujustwatching.com dot com slash community. You can also comment on the show notes for this episode, which can be found at areyoujustwatching.com dot com slash one hundred and twenty. Can't believe we're already up to one hundred and twenty. Isn't that crazy? And uh, you can also call us at 513-818-2959 and leave a voicemail or email feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. You can send us audio files if you want to partake in our discussions. I do want to thank our supporters, our Patreon supporters, our... Isaiah Santiano, Craig Hardy, Stephen Brown II, David Lefton, and Peter Chapman who give to us generously on a monthly basis. You can also give to us by going to patreon.com slash are you just watching or paypal.com slash paypalme slash A-Y-J-W. And we would love to see you in our communities. Um, definitely touch base with us. If not in Facebook, definitely come to Discord. We'd love to see you there. I think that's it. Wherever you listen to our podcast, if you think about it, subscribe, rate, and review us so that we know that you're listening and that you can let other people know the only way we will grow this podcast because we do not advertise is if you share it. And so give the gift of word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth. Tell other people about us. Let other people know what we do here. And if you're thinking about it, we'll put a link in the show notes to a interview that I just did on a different podcast about my book, Are You Just Watching? And that is still available on Amazon if you all would like to have a copy of it. So that is that. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Eve Franklin.
1: I'm Tim Martin.
0: And don't just watch. The Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. So check us out at ChristianPodcastCommunity.org, one stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. ChristianPodcastCommunity.org